Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast. My name is Scroobius Pip and this is episode number 29. We're, we're smashing through them. Um, I've got to say straight off the bat, it's a relief to be out of March Madness. That was kind of mad. Um, it's very enjoyable. It was great to get, I mean, who did we, are we, we get in in that March Madness? We've got Frank Turner, Billy Bragg, uh, Dylan Moran, uh, myself doing a Q&A with you guys, um, Rob Bank, Wes Borland, Raul Reynolds um, and Sarah Pascoe. So that was amazing. Um, but this week's guest, you know, after doing two a week, I had to have someone really exciting. And this week's guest, I'm hugely excited for. It's Mr. Paddy Considine. Um, before we get into that, though, I'm going to quickly give a shout out to Speech Development Records. That is my record label. If you go to speechdevelopmentrecords.com, look at my stutter going crazy now. It's because I nailed the Dylan Moran um, earlier. That'll make sense if you've listened to that podcast. Um, if you go to speechdevelopmentrecords.com, um, we've got T-shirts, we've got barbecue aprons, we've got mugs, we've got hats, we've got jackets, jumpers, all sorts of stuff. We've got live DVDs and all sorts. So go there and everything you buy there kind of helps support the podcast. But I want to quickly, oh, this week, give a specific shout and ask you to, if you're not already aware of him, take a look at Mr. B. Dolan. Um, I'm releasing his album on the label this year on Speech Development Records. Um, he's a close a friend of mine. I've loved him for a long time. I've been a fan and a friend for a long time. He's toured with us, supported us, so a lot of you will already be aware of him. But um, he's on Strange Famous Records in America, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm luckily being able to work with him to release his album in the UK. But he's just got a lot of stuff... Um, that you will enjoy, I think. Um, and I think people need to be more aware of him even before this next album drops because it's his best work to date. But there's stuff... I mean, I'd recommend you go and ch- and, ch- and check out Which Side Are You On, for example. It's on YouTube. You can ch- check it out for free because um, that's really good. Obviously, in this week's podcast with Paddy, we talk about his film Pride um, and how important the gay rights movement was um, during the minor strike. Uh, Oh, which side are you on? Addresses the um, the homophobia um, displayed at times in hip hop and the misogyny and all sorts. So yeah, he's definitely worth checking out. That's B Dolan. Go and look him up on YouTube. B then D O L A N. Check him out. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to today's podcast. It's Mr. Paddy Considine. I was so excited to get to sit down with Paddy. Um, he's as as you will hear sh- shortly. He's one of my f- favorite actors I've seen a lot of his work I'm quite knowledgeable on his body of work um but I mean equally he's just the nicest of guys I've met him a couple of times before this and he was so friendly and he'd expressed that he he, that he he listens to the podcast and enjoys it so yeah it was great to get to sit down and chat to him so without further ado let's get into that this is Distraction Pieces podcast number 29 with Mr Paddy Considine Um, and that's it. That was our big start. That uh, me pressing play there was how I indicate the beginning of the podcast. I'm here with P- P- Paddy Considine. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right, Pip. I'm not bad these days. It's lovely to have you. Thank you for coming on. Is this a a, a rare trip into London? Are these days or no? I'm here quite you, a bit, really. Regularly, yeah. I travel in a lot, and um, for the last few years, I've I've always seemed to work here. 
yeah. at some point of the year. So um, I, I I get to live in a different part of it every time I do a film. And I love London. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, it's one of those cities that I'm still kind of discovering things. You know, after years of working down here, I think the key for for that can be not moving here essentially because I live in Essex and I still love London. But I feel if I lived here, it'd be too much for me and I'd be I'd be sick of it. But the fact of living outside of it, you get to come in, appreciate it, and go and then step away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And visit it and in, in, enjoy it. So yeah, yeah. There's definitely that. I, I don't know if I could live here. Yeah, you know, with a young family and that, but you know, people do. It's great, but I, yeah, I love working here. I love coming down here. Yeah, was it? Uh, was London a big part at the start to kind of? I mean, like, how did you start getting into acting and and getting into to film um, initially? Initially, oh god. Well, uh, uh, where did you grow up? There's a long, there's a long version of this and a shorter one, but I, I'm Go from on. I'm from a town called Burton on Trent yep. in the Midlands, and that's where I grew up. Um, and I always had aspirations about making films yeah. and being involved in, in films in some way, but I didn't know how. Yeah. I, I kind of lived at the cinema, really. Yeah. Um, there was an Odeon down on Guild Street, and it was 99 pence to watch a film, you know, in the Amazing. 80s. Amazing. So we kind of, me and a small group of friends had lived there. And I never became a film, a filmo, you know, a yeah. film buff or anything, but I just enjoyed movies. Yeah, completely. I think this... Uh, for me, it's been in recent years I've become re-addicted to and appreciative of the experience of the cinema. I think the cinema is such a thing and I think it doesn't always have to be the best film in the world. It's the whole experience of it. As long as it's a good and ent- entertaining film, I think the cinema is a great a yeah. great and essential experience. Far better than just uh, watching a DVD or watching on your laptop or whatever. Yeah, definitely. It, it still holds your attention. Yeah. Um, and... and you have to be kind of careful. It's that you don't kind of. I think at some some points in, in over the last ten years or so, since I started acting, at times I've got quite cynical about cinema and, and even yeah. about you know even about acting and stuff like that. But ultimately, what what keeps me in there is this, that initial kind of love and the and the need to sort of to tell stories. I think yeah. if, if if anything, um, the reason why I would do it why i do it was was the need to tell stories in some way when i was a kid it was about showing off i mean going back to 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 kind of growing up um i was kind of quite quite a disruptive kid at school and that you know never kind of um destructively so but my my mind was always elsewhere anyway it was never in the moment as a little kid but um i suppose when i started to do a a few performances at school it was just because I kind of wanted people to see me and not, yeah. not see me as in, you know, jazz hands and, and yeah. all that, you yeah, know, yeah, I yeah, want yeah, everyone yeah. to look at me. It wasn't that. It was just I thought I want people to see me. I wanted, I, I'd been kind of quite brutal to some teachers, you know, and giving them a hard time yeah. in my younger part of school and, and, and senior school. And I just felt that I'd become a kind of waste of time. Right, um, and the the general consensus amongst those teachers was like they were giving up on me. It's like you're a talented kid, but you you're just gonna throw everything away being the clown. Yeah, and a teacher said something to me in my third year, and I was like cracking jokes and disrupting the class. And he said, "You, you know, it's all right now, Constantine. Everyone's laughing." He said, "But one day you won't have your audience." Yeah, and I kind of like I understood what he meant. Even yeah. then, I yeah, thought, yeah, yeah, definitely. 
I didn't defiantly become an actor and go, well, now I've got an audience, so up yours. It yeah. was like, yeah, do I, I want to become this. <laughs> the clown of the building site? Do I, is that what I want to be? Yeah. Do I want to be, be the funniest guy in the factory or do I want to go and, and do something? So I started doing odd plays at school and, and I started to get attention, but it was the right attention. It was, I felt that people started to believe in me yeah. a little bit. And I'd grown up with certain kids that, um, you know, we came from kind of broken families in a way. And, yeah. and some were one parent, some were both parents, but they were still broken families. Yeah. And I just sort of had this sense in me that I was going to, I was always going to move on. I was always going to move away. And I had a teacher at school called Margaret Balderson who put me into this drama group. And I was terrified because it was full of kids from all different walks of life. They were yeah. mainly kind of middle-class kids, if I'm honest. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I was quite terrified about going into that. And I, I went in there and just found a bunch of really lovely kids, you know, yeah. who I got on perfectly well with. And in my first kind of term there, I was casting Gregory's Girl, this, right. the, the play of Gregory's yeah. Girl. And she announced who was playing who, and it's Paddy, you're Gregory. Um, and I didn't go back for two weeks. Right. And I can remember standing on the hill in, in Winsall. It kind of stands above the town of Burton, and from the top of the hill you can see the roof of my school, which is where the, the acting classes sort of took place yeah. around their acting classes. It was a youth drama group thing. And I remember standing with my group of friends and looking at the roof of this thing and knowing that at that time that class was going on. And I looked at the friends around me and just silently to myself said goodbye to them. Right. You know, it was time to wow. to say goodbye. And, yeah. I, and I felt it then. And I went to the class the following week and it was like, where have you been? You haven't been for two weeks. And, and I made my bullshit excuses. But ultimately I said to the... To the teacher, I think her name was Jane. I said to her, when I gave my excuse, she said to me rather, um, "If you hadn't come this week, you'd have been out. That'd yeah. have been it, you know." Yeah. And I didn't really become a stage schooly kid. I, I left school. I went on a drama course, and it, it didn't work. It, I hated it really. Um, I became really self-conscious. The joy seemed to be sapped out of it from me. Um, right. I, and maybe it was because the course was such a young course. Um, but um, it was just felt very cruel. Yeah, I think a lot of those things can seem so so harsh. Like anything that's teaching arts as such, it's, it's such a fine line because there's there's not necessarily. I'm sure there are rights and wrongs, but it's not as simple as that. I always remember when I was um, tr- a tr- a, a trying to learn to write scripts and screenplays, and in fact, our mutual friend. Uh, Kelly Marcel yeah, advised yeah. me. She said, "Don't read any of them screenwriting books. No. I think read scripts that you like. Yeah, R- read stuff th- that you think is good, and that's how you learn. Rather than saying, here's the formula, here's what you have to do. Yeah, X, Y, Z, and it works because it's not always as as formulaic as that. And I'd imagine with a, a, a lot of acting schools and things like that as well, it can be quite. They're doing this every year. They're doing the same teaching, the same structures and yeah. approach, which isn't necessarily always." going to ignite everyone in the same way yeah but also i remember kind of, yeah it's all of that and also i it, i remember being in a, in a movement class once <laughs> but you know and it was all fun but yeah. and there was some lovely kids on the course we're talking about we were kids we were yeah. 17 but um i remember the teacher asked me to be a car engine right pretend you're a car engine and i said why and she says because i told you to 
And I went, what does that mean? You told me to, you know, why? And her reply to that was, get out. Wow. So I was sent out of the class for asking. Questioning. And there wasn't one part of it that said, listen, if you want to be an actor, you may be asked to do some really stupid shit that makes you feel self-conscious and embarrassed and you've got to kind of get over that hurdle a little bit to commit. There was none of that. It was just because I told you to. Yeah. You don't want to do it, get out. And and that was one of many That's not things. enough of a not really, explanation no, or lesson there, is it really? Yeah, it's... and I wasn't ready to learn anything, I suppose, when I look back. It was like something wasn't sitting with me. I thought, if this is acting, and I'm not interested. You know, this mm-hmm. is doing nothing for me. And it was a really strange time in my life. But around that time, I met Shane Meadows. Yeah. He was the year above us, but he'd been held back because he'd been in an accident. He'd right. got, kind of run off his bike, scooter, I think. A car had caught him and he'd damaged his leg bad- badly and it put him a year back. So we ended up in <laughs> he ended up in our class. And Shane, when he was in his 20s, looked about 40. You know, he looked really? like a bloke <laughs> compared to us. <laughs> you know, we looked like, but we were young kids, but Shane looked 10 years older then. He yeah, looked like our dad, yeah. you know, if we went to town. Amazing. And... Um, and that was, a, that was a really big thing for me, meeting him, because yeah. it was a, we kind of skirted around each other for the first few weeks of term. You know, there was a bit of wariness there, like, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> who's this old guy? <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, you know, we kind of, something bonded us. I think we got stuck together and painted each other's teeth black, and that was the thing that kind of made us... Amazing. ...broke down the, the you know, the barriers somehow. Yeah. But then we became a little bit kind of... Um, inseparable for a while but Shane was a really really important because I felt like I'd grown up with a head of ideas and imagery and things but had no way no idea how to execute any of those things yeah completely I think it's it's really interesting at the start you said you always felt you wanted to be in films in some way whether that be acting or writing and and I think that can be it's it's that can be or that can stop you at points if you don't have that clear I want to be an actor or I want to you just like I just want to be involved in this i love this in every element i want to do all parts of it that can in a way unless you you get that right moment or meet those right people yeah it can hold you back because you've not got enough of a specific goal but yeah it can also be a, a great thing when you meet that those other people who are like right yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's, it's okay. all about who you i think it's all about how you ignite and yeah who 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 you kind of you know bump into on your way along on this ride, and, and, and Shane was one of those. He, like, lit the touch paper, if you like. Yeah. He had this kind of thing in him where he, the, the, he made the world feel small, whereas I would look at the, the kind of horizon and think, how do I get out of this fucking place? Yeah. And I'm meaning the town, but not the town itself. I still live there, but really it was like, how do I get out of this place in my head? Yeah, sure, How do sure. I kind of move? And um, Shane just made everything seem possible. That was the first yeah. thing. We, we we formed a band, and um, it was like like we were sat around one day, and Shane said, like, "Let's make a band." I'm the singer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, "All right, you're the singer," and it's <laughs> like you can play bass, Rich, because you and yeah. Simon, your guitar will get nicked. What about you, Paddy? Um, I'll be drums. I've never played any drums. <laughs> and then the next day, a drum kit turned up. Just turned up. Amazing. From a, you know, so these odd. And then six weeks later, we were in a studio, recording. You know, and it was like yeah. he just he had that go in him, and and that was infectious to me. Yeah, and it's that's, such a motivational thing. The yeah. fact of not just sitting around and talking about these things, going right, 
and let's do this. Yeah. Rather than spending a week pl- planning it or imagining it, go, let's just do it and see and see what happens. Yeah, we're in a studio and it, yeah. was, it was amazing to me because I was like, I remember seeing a documentary on the Sex Pistols and Steve Jones talking about Brian Ferry and Bowie and saying, I thought these people literally fell from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I could understand that completely. It was like, yeah, these people are obviously really special and they get anointed somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and they are who they are. And, you know, I didn't I didn't realise that a kid like me could manoeuvre this way, you know? It's one of the th- things I think is key of, 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 of making sure that live venues and live m- music doesn't die out. Because that 90% of time, particularly with punk bands and things like that, that's when you stand there and go... I could do this, like not in an arrogant way. In a, Absolutely, in a, this is yeah. possible. Whereas uh, when it is that separate thing, and it's in a magazine or something else, it's unimaginable. It's unattainable. Whereas when it's some blokes stood there in in front of you, it's like wow, that's yeah, that's a, a real thing. The first a, a song I I put out, um, or the, and and the first one that got got any attention had a section in it where I listed a load of bands and said just a band and a lot of people th- thought that was in some way an insult it wasn't it was it came from that exact thing of thinking of at that point I chose it always oh, Radiohead specifically I thought of because it was around Christmas and I thought like a Radiohead a Radiohead they're the most amazing thing but at this point Tom York is probably having to pass the potatoes <laughs> to his brother yeah. and his yeah. mum's telling them to have some more veg and they're just regular people and that's what the whole section was about it wasn't about insulting anyone yeah. it was saying you realise that these, these at some point they were you who were sitting again. I'd like to start a band, but I'm not sure. And again, the same with acting, I guess, and and all of those things. It's like I'd like to do that. Then, all right, well let's let's do it then. Yeah. So where did it go from there? I know from the you, studio with Shane. Well, you know, well I I ended up leaving college after yeah. a year, and it was around that time in '91 that I met my wife, and that was the, obviously a massive thing because we we're together yeah. 25 years wow. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing for that was that. I'd hit a really bad point in my life and I was kind of directionless. I'd been on the dole for a year mm-hmm. and at that at that time she'd gone through college and completed her course and, and in that short space of time I realised that, you know, I'd never finished anything. Yeah. You know, and she'd just gone through and done this course and she was off to university and I was um, still back in Burton. But one thing, I, I just thought, actually, it's not that hard. It always felt like a marathon to me. Yeah. doing stuff like that like I thought school was like a, a prison I actually looked at it like being in yeah. the nick yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. and going oh a bit of bird yeah I've only got three years left yeah, exactly. I remember having those <laughs> thoughts yeah. <laughs> yeah, and thinking of it like that I'll be free in, in two yeah. years um, but I saw her completing her and is that, that's all it takes is just commitment it's just yeah. a few months and so I, I, I went back to college. Shane had gone off to Nottingham College. I went to, back to college. And for the first... I don't, I don't, you couldn't get away with this nowadays. But for the first sort of six weeks, I'd just get on a bus, go to college. I had a, a, like a box with pastels in and other things. And I would go into classes and draw fruit. I'd go and sculpt clay and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was, my hav- it was my safe place, my haven that I went yeah. to every day. And mm. after a term, one of the guys there, one of the lecturers who... Kind of, we knew before he ended up being in twenty four seven and Romeo Brass. Oh wow! Colin Higgins, he he looked at me one day and he went, "What course are you actually on?" And I just thought, "Oh shit, it's over." You know, he's <laughs> caught me. I can't. Yeah. I can't. I was kind of pretending to be a student. Or something. Just turning up. And, yeah. Yeah. Just do it. And he went, and I just thought, I said, "I'm not on any course, Colin. I'm not on one." And I thought, "I'm out." And he went, "Come on then, let's go and get you enrolled on photography and film." 
Amazing. And it was as simple as that. You know, I went up, he enrolled me, and then I was at college, and then I was doing photography. Again, the, the instant difference there between a teacher saying, you've yeah. got to be an engine because I've told you to, and, you know, you equally could have got that kind of teacher who said, what course are you on? Right, get out. Yeah. Well, instead of going, right, r- realising he's not on a course, but he's here every fucking day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's obviously wants he's to do some something. Let's, let's do something. <laughs> so, yeah. So then you went on to photography and Yeah, and I did photography it. and that was great. I mean, I was really, I love boxing. So I started to kind of photograph fighters and oh, wow. I learned my craft at the Burton Boxing Club. I, I, a lot of failures, a lot of things not coming out on film, a lot of things badly lit. And, yeah. But I remember pulling out one roll of film and the image was on there and it was after my sixth attempt. I was so bad at photography and I was there was an image on there and I was like, wow, and it blew my mind. It there. And then, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And, 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 and the beauty, I did photography um, at, at Wolverhampton University and just the beauty of having of them opening the doors and you having access to to dark rooms to to all their equipment and stuff like that and coming from a family where I couldn't afford expensive cameras and any of that kind of thing it's something that you couldn't have otherwise it's it's a a genuine gift of an experience there of being able to turn these things that were live in front of you onto to something that's on this film and, and you know is captured there. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. It's powerful. I missed I missed photography when I, I I went down to Brighton and did my degree. And when I when I left college, I kind of it's all my portfolio pretty much I had published just before I left college. Yeah. I had published in the Guardian and wow. the Independent and that so it was like look at this guy but I left college with like nothing. Yeah. In terms of, I'm like, I've sold all my work and now I've got to generate more. And yeah. I started to realise this is not going to be an easy experience to, to try and, you know, be, stay up and, and, and afloat in this in this game. Yeah, of course. Um, but, I, you know, sometimes I, I just think that there's a, you know, fate takes you where it's going to take you. And I always, throughout that time, still I still love cinema. I worked at, at cinemas and... At the time, Pulp Fiction had come out, and so everybody wanted to be a writer, filmmaker. Yeah. Everyone was getting jobs in video shops because Tarantino had worked in one, and they right. yeah, yeah. have the same effect. But, <laughs> you know, I definitely did. I brought those screenplays, and I did, did aspire to write and make films, not necessarily act. I wanted to make films. Mm. Um, the acting thing, if I'm honest with you, I around that time of leaving college, me and Shane were kind of hanging around again. And I was trying to make this little documentary on these Xboxes and he came down to the edit suite one day and he'd lent me cameras and stuff and he was making a room for Romeo Brass and, yeah. he, and he just said to me, um, I've got a part in this this film and um, I can't cast it. And I was like, oh, right. Oh, right. You know, I didn't yeah. have any association with his films in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't assume for one minute he was thinking of me. And he said, I want you to have a go at it. Amazing. And I was like, oh, oh, right. Um, oh, I, I, don't, I don't think so. You know, that was my initial really? thing. Wow. was like, I'm, I'm not sure. And he goes, listen, just have a go. And if, and if it doesn't work, it don't matter. We're still mates. Yeah. He goes, but just, just give, it a, give it a go, you know. And, and so I did. I remember I went to the Nottingham, the central workshop, and I went in there not knowing what an audition was, not knowing how this thing was going to play out. The only experience I'd had of it was a few school plays and a youth theatre group. It was 
And I sat there in the room, and there was about 20 kids all auditioning for Romeo Brass, and I had to audition all 20 of them. Wow. And I had to improvise and come up with something for each kid. And I don't... And honest to this day, Pip, I have no idea what took over me. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened in that chair. I don't know how I managed to come up. I didn't know where the words were coming from. I didn't know... It, the, the things were just happening that were out of my Amazing. control, so I just went with it. And afterwards, Shane was like, "Yeah, man, you've you, you've got the part." And I was like, "What? Just like that? Is that is that what you That's do?" So it is. But um, I mean, sh- and then the character came became for that what it became later on. We we kind right. of we, did, we sorry rehearsed that for like a couple of months. We were always getting together three months even, and then the the actual character with the accent didn't click in until a couple of days before filming. Oh it wow! Just, again, that, just, that came just out of nowhere. I mean, because it's I mean it's one of my. F- favorite characters i think morel just the 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 way the way that he's so bizarre yet so relatable you can instantly think yeah i know i've known people along those lines and just the switch from the comedy and lightness of him to the darkness was just i remember watching it i remember um i think i was at at college at that point and um oh no i just left college and a friend of mine dan harris had recommended it and he wasn't like he was. He seemed to be into films. He wasn't someone I particularly thought of as a real film buff and nerd. So yeah. I was skeptical, and I put it on. And as I said, number one, I'm drawn straight in by by, by all the performances in in reality. I think everyone yeah. was great in it, and so natural. And it's what I then came to learn of the way Sh- Sh- Shane directs in many ways that it all just feels like there happens to be a camera there. If yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah. um, and then yeah, just the yeah the switching and the darkness and. Just all of it, the the simplicity of the comeuppance at yeah. the end. Obviously, not trying to spoil anything in front of who's not seen it. Just all of that. I've never, I don't, can't remember many characters I've f- f- felt so much that I wanted to get their their comeuppance yeah. by the end of it. Yeah. And again, it's such a. It's not like he's Darth Vader or some some supervillain, but I think it's because it's was so real and relatable that you kind of do go. This guy needs, yeah, this isn't on. It's guy it, he's definitely on, on, on dodgy ground. Yeah. I just think there's a kid like that on every estate, you know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and that's, that was the thing that I got back is like, I grew up with a kid like that. and Yeah, completely. I think everyone I must rem- have had I remember that, despite driving, how weird and ludicrous he is. Yeah, he was, he's, and he's extreme, but um, he. <laughs> I remember driving across the, the Trent Bridge at home with my wife and, and sometimes in summer you get like, people jumping off the bridge into the water yeah and uh, we drove along and i looked and i went there's morel and there was a guy he was six foot tall about not you know wiry not a bit of fat on him yeah and had just this gang of kids around him and he was leading the charge of jumping off the bridge you know getting them in line he was going to jump and i thought he's there there he is he's right there like commanding these kids to jump and he was jumping himself and amazing they're everywhere So, so how was that when that completed and and became a thing, as you'd said previously, you'd you'd started a lot of things and not finished them, and then obviously doing your your your, your university course yeah. was a change of that. But how was that in the completion of a film of something like that of of getting to, to the end of it and going, wow, yeah, there's something here. Um, I I it was still a strange. One. I mean, as far as far as completing stuff, that stuff got nailed straight away. I think yeah. during my second year of university was the was the year that everything seemed to click for me. It yeah. was like there was all this stuff going on and I couldn't get it to kind of... 
I couldn't work. I had all these ideas. I had all this energy building in me, and I couldn't put it anywhere. Um, and I got a warning letter off the college saying, if you don't book your ideas up by Easter, you're out. Right. And three of us got the letter. I won't name the other two, but they're very, very. <laughs> it's ironic that three of the most kind of successful guys out there were all the ones that got the letter. But I saw it for what it was. I was like, that's not. Guys, there's people on this course worse than us. Yeah. This is just a kick up the arse. Yeah. Because they care about us, and it yeah, was. Exactly. It was. Exactly. In that instance, it was. It's the ones it's worth yeah. pushing to. to to, to back their ideas up rather than just go, ah, forget it then. Yeah, it's like, get your shit together because, yeah. you know, we're one and a half years in and you ain't. And I did. I, I I went home and I did this photographic project on my parents and and it, and it just changed everything for me. Yeah. Um, I, That's I, great. I could kind of, whatever was going on in my heart, I realised that I could translate it into photographs. I could say something with photographs. And, yeah. And... and, I, and before they were just photographs, you know. Yeah. Um, and that personal connection was the thing that that kind of pushed me on. Really, it was a big discovery for me. Yeah, um, that's great. But after Romeo Brass, I mean, you know, that I, there was nothing. I was just living at home, and um, me and Shane would just make short films and things and mess yeah. about. I had time on my hands. He did, and you know. Um, but it wasn't until Romeo Brass came out. That that I you know, I got an agent and the the film got a good response and yeah you know the the reviews were good and I got a bit of a mention and then but but the thing that really turned it was because I never was I never felt like an actor and I still don't Pip and and yeah. I think sometimes that's been a bit you know when I do press interviews it's always seemed to like a little bit derogatory or I'm down on acting or uh, but I'm not I I respect it. As a craft, I just always had that. Until recently, I had that feeling that yeah, someone was going to tap me on the shoulder and go, "Hey, we found out." Yeah. That you, you yeah. no good. Yeah, you snuck in. Yeah, you snuck in, mate, and there's the door. And of course, it's ludicrous. It's open. The field's open to anybody to yeah, get in there and get involved. But I did have this thing in me. There was a compulsion with some of those characters. There was something. I don't want to call it an exorcism. It's too grand, but there was definitely something shifting with Romeo Brass and. And even with the, the one for me was, well, Romeo Brass, I still think it there was was my best favorite experience. But the thing that changed the acting, that people's impressions about my acting over, was when I did sort of Last Resort. I did Pavel yeah. Pavlikovsky's film. Yeah. And we were we were kind of working towards doing that, and Pavel was sending all these crazy ideas to me and we'd go on road trips together and he'd throw stuff about my characters and go, maybe your character is kind of crazy. Or what if your character <laughs> ca he kind of uh, studies the clouds? What if you, you know, and all this stuff. And it got to the point where we were finding, oh, Pavel was kind of finding angles to make this guy crazy because he loved the, the performance in Romeo Brass. Right, right. And he's going, how can we make this guy crazy? And, and it was all affectations. So changed, and, yeah. and I said, Pavel... You know, what if he's just a bloke? Yeah. You know, why does he have to have all this shit over him? Yeah. And that's what I did with Last Resort. It's yeah. just like, if I'm going to do anything, I've got to show the the flip side to morale. Yeah, I can't, completely. I don't want to bring out this. So that was a conscious thing for me of like, I thought if I'm going to do this and have a career, I've got to show people the, the, the kind of flip side. I can't just keep turning yeah. that out. Yeah, no, that's... That's great, and it's noticeable in Last Resort and in uh, was it in America? Uh, yeah. Was after that again? It's yeah. the 
the playing the they're getting a lot of attention for playing such a weird and diverse and out there character and then playing really kind of human really regular really you know this is this could be or the everyman type yeah. thing i guess in a way um so, so how was that to go from and did you feel um nerves i know you said you kind of feel you're always about to be exposed but nerves from going from working with your friend shane who you'd known for years to 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 pavel and to you know all different well I, from places shane i was in great company and i jumped from shane to pavel pavlikovsky and again i was in great company yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so i was like i was blessed with that <laughs> yeah it was like just well, this a, is great <laughs> pavel's is a kind of different a different sort of madness to step into yeah but it was but i was very lucky with that um so, I mean, the, the only time I felt utter fear was I'd got an agent at the time and it was like, oh, here, a job's come up and, you know, they'd like you for it. And I was like, okay, what, well, you know, and I looked at it and it was a film called Born Romantic. And it was just a little part for me in it. Um, that was my first experience of acting. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was doing it at the same time as Last Resort and it paid me five times more than Last wow. Resort. It wasn't a fortune, but it was five times more. Yeah. And I was and I, and that was a really weird thing to get my head around and go, well, I, but I'm doing this really great I've just kind got to of do piece a gig here. now essentially, yeah. Shit, and this is it was my first gig and I met some beautiful people on it. Um I met Dave Morrissey on it. Yeah. And uh he was the first I I remember coming out of my trailer and trailer your three-way thing, and I'm looking over, and there was John Thompson, who I, I'm like, I, I, I was a big fan of John Thompson's, you know, for all the all the Coogan stuff, and yeah, that. Yeah. there's Ian Hart, yeah, you know, and and Jane Horrocks, and I'm going shit, and I'm standing there like, kind of slightly trembling, and then this dude walks up to me, all right, mate, puts his hand out, you know, Dave, and it's Dave Morrissey, and he yeah. was the guy that came over to me and. It's awesome. And it always stayed with me, you know, and he always stayed, he's always stayed a friend, you know, even yeah, though I, great. I don't see him as, as much, but he was the one that put me at ease, but I never, I never felt comfortable in that film. Yeah. And, and then a pattern emerged in some of the jobs that I did that I never, whenever I felt like I was doing a job, it never felt comfortable to me. Yeah. That's um, interesting that, that there is a clear difference in that, in the, the ones that you're, I don't know. You're passionate about, or 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 that just feel right, I guess. Because because not to say that any that you're doing a job on or whatever that you're not putting a hundred percent into. Obviously, you're going to yeah. be doing what you have to do. But it, it it must. It's it's odd to think of because you generally think of film and acting and all that, as we said, as kind of being up there on the screens. It's odd to think that there's certain roles that that's just you're living. Yeah, you know, that's not. It's not. Wow, this character. I need to. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because you way. want to commit to everything, but at times in my life, I remember after in America, I think it was, I was at home and I, I, I said, you know what, I'm not, um, I'm not gonna work, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna wait for the really great stuff to come through the door. Yeah, um, I'm not committing to any old thing just to pay the bills. I'm gonna yeah. tough this out, and the great roles will come. I didn't work for a year. Yeah, you know, nothing happened, and I thought wow. I'm sitting at home and. While I'm sitting at home, nobody's banging my door down. And also, I'm not getting any experience yeah. doing this job. Yeah. Um, Again, it's all it, it's all hours on the job, like regardless of what the yeah. job is. And the whole thing, 
in 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 music they always say you have to in or in, in most things they say you have to put in a hundred hours um of of yeah whether it be gig time you know gym time or whatever else and then you know if you're good or not at it and so it's kind of it's getting them hours in i guess yeah putting in those it is i suppose finding the art form as a photographer i'd kind of had an apprenticeship i went to work with a photographer called steve pike right um and i went down to hastings and and worked for him i basically printed for him yeah and i was doing like 20 or 30 prints a day and over that summer i became an a shit hot printer yeah you know and i went back to my third year and everyone was you know everyone but a lot of people you know that third year panic and your degree and everyone's flapping around i was in the zone i was like this is a walk because you'd you'd put the hours in i'd done it you know and i'd learnt my apprenticeship and i felt ready with acting i never had it yeah i never had it i never I, i i was still kind of going i don't really know how to do this yeah Instincts, the, one thing, you that know. feeling of those moments happened. Yeah, but that might never happen again. You know, I didn't plan for that. That just happened. And what <laughs> am I doing? It's yeah. like you can be that actor who turns up and goes, "Yeah, I don't need to know what what I'm doing. I just turn up and let the, let it take yeah. over." Yeah. But at some point, you've got to acknowledge that this is a craft. Yeah. I always use the analogy of Manny Pacquiao, great fighter. You know, yeah. great two-handed fighter, yeah. brilliant. You know, but goes, to, but raw. A goes to Freddie Roach, refines his technique, and becomes a multi-weight world champion. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I just felt that I was lacking that. I had the rawness, but I felt that I was lacking that some kind of and, technique and, and, and guide. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Even with with regard, and that's never left me really with acting. Even though I've had years of experience of it now, that's that's never seemed to to leave me. Um, it, it's kind of weird because the other week. My band supported the Charlatans wow, yeah. in Leicester. And we walked out onto the stage, you know, and there's probably about a 1,000 people there. It wasn't quite to capacity by that point. It filled yeah. when we finished, you know, and the Charlatans <laughs> come out. It was like they were hanging off the, the of ceiling. But, you know, there's a good 1,000 people in that place. And we walked on and we did our support set and it was, and it was just perfect. Mm. It felt perfect. Yeah. It, it felt like... If it had happened two years earlier or something, something wouldn't have felt quite right. We wouldn't have been quite ready at something. But we just walked on there and we're like, we've done enough gigs. We've been together yeah. 10 years nearly. We've done enough shows, played in pubs, played to three people. So you've done all to, the tough And it's gigs. like, we did all that. Yeah. And there's going to be more tough gigs to come. But in that moment, to stand on that stage and, and, and to do what, what we did with Half Hour... Um, we were ready. Well, again, you'd know. Yeah, that's it. You'd earned it. You'd, yeah, you, you'd, you'd done that. You'd you'd, you'd you'd paid the dues, as it were. And it's like now, it's yeah. Yeah, and with acting, I've never felt that <laughs> at all. So, 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 how was it um, to then come back with Shane for Dead Man's Shoes? Which, when that you know, that was the one that really I seemed to propel you and Shay and everyone kind of there yeah. was so much excitement and respect around that I always remember um it became my go-to film to recommend to people because it was the same year that um a, a layer cake had come out and it was and layer cake was the big big British gangster movie and it was always yeah. no this is the British gangster movie that you need to see because it was it's that more real it was the real yeah the real drug dealers in your town rather than the you know the cinematic yeah ex, 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 explosive versions of the the real ones and the real yeah 
Real drug, drug dealers do nip to the co-op. Yeah, yeah. To get a, a you know a liter of diet coke. Exactly, exactly. So how was that experience of the filming? And did you know when you were filming it that wow, this is this feels like something? No, no, I didn't. Um, no, it was it was a weird one. Um, you know, but by that time I'd gone off and done in America, and Shane did Once Upon a Time in the Midlands. Yeah. And Shane had had me down for a role in Once Upon a Time in the Midlands, and I didn't do it. I did in America, and and I think I made the right choice just for myself because I, it wasn't the role that I wanted in Midlands. I didn't want to play the the Dell. I think his name was Dell. Right. Uh, Reese fans played him eventually, yeah. and I just thought, well, I don't want to play that part. You know, I we'd done a short film together. That was, you know, that 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 that, and I'd improvised it, and that's what that I think that character that Robert Carlyle came to play. Yeah. That's kind of where it was based, sort of. Right. It's right, years yeah. ago, but it was sort of around that sort of thing. Sure, I see. And I, so and it would I have felt odd playing someone else yeah. in a thing that you feel. Yeah, and I just thought, well, I don't really want to play that part, you know. I, I, I so I went and did in America, mm. um, and I wanted to do in America. Yeah. Um I wanted to work with Jim Sheridan. Yeah. There was a lot of things attached to that film at the time. You know, my dad was Irish. He he was dying of cancer. He died a couple oh, of weeks wow. before we started filming it. And wow. I was like, you know, kind of, Jim's the man in, in Ireland. I want to work with the guy. Yeah. I sat and watched My Left Foot in the Boxer with my dad. I'm like, I'm watching this. But even when my dad was dying, he was going, you don't let Shane down, you know. And I'm like, oh, fucking hell, Dad. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> On your but case. It, but it was right because these things happen and they're right to happen too. And I made the right decision. Um, and then when we came back together again, it was to make Dead Man's Shoes. And Shane had made a film that he wasn't satisfied with within America. Right. Uh, so, oh, excuse sorry, me, with the Midlands. Yeah. Um, I, I know that I know, he wouldn't mind me saying that that he wasn't satisfied with it, but I think it was one of the best things that happened to him. like like a lot of these things. Yeah. You know, they seem like a bad experience, but actually, it was probably the catalyst for for everything that came after. Yeah, yeah, Dead Man's Shoes in Summer's Town, um, This Is England, all of it. Completely I think that realization that hopefully what you're working on now, obviously you have to put everything in to make that amazing, but hopefully that's just the start of the yeah. years and years and years of a career to to come, and that's that's often hard to see at the time. Particularly, yeah. I'd imagine in film when that such an takes over your whole life. But that realization, yeah, that that right, if that has or hasn't worked, it's all it's all a, a step on the path that hopefully yeah. is going upwards. And I think it was a tough time in 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 a lot of respects. But I don't want to speak for Shane. It, it but I I I think it was. Tough, you know. I think I think he he learned a lot about how he wanted to make film, yeah. um, by by making Midlands, yeah. and I, I think it turned turned it around for him. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, but we came to make Dead Man's Shoes, and and Shane seemed to be in that place. I'd done, I think, I think I'd done in America. Then I'd done, I'd done Cinderella. I had a little part in Cinderella, man. But I had a wonderful time doing yeah, that. It was yeah. amazing. Um, but um, so yeah, we came together for Dead Man Shoes, and it was kind of weird. We met up that morning. We went out to to have some dinner. Shane was following us in his car. Me and my wife, who was a couple of months pregnant, in our car, and we get rammed off the road, and our car flips wow. and overturns. You know, and oh wow! <laughs> so we're in a car. We had a most bizarre day. We're in a car accident with my pregnant wife. We climb out of it, and 
we we go and the car gets picked up, we go and have dinner. And then we go back to my gaff and we sit there and start talking and, and the beginnings of Dead Man's Shoes start to Wow. <laughs> wow. And but but and then Mark Herbert was the real catalyst because I, I'd worked with him on Chris Morris's short film and I and I kinda put him and Shane together. Um and they're still working together today. Yeah. But wow. you know, Mark was kind of full of enthusiasm to get this film off the ground. And we pitched it as a comedy. Oh, we're gonna make a comedy about this guy who thinks he's a superhero before all this superhero business. Yeah. And um but it just was not working at all. Right. It was not happening. Something was stopping us from doing it and then we sat there one day and said, We're not making this, let's make Let's make the film that we yeah. want to make. We'd just been, at the time, I was down at the boxing club training and Shane was coming down with me at the time. And I remember we stood outside for about an hour after and we just talked about bullies. And we just talked about people that, you know, in that moment where you'd back down or been afraid, where you think you should have absolutely smashed them in yeah. the teeth, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were getting all this kind of juice going about those guys and we're going, these people, Shane had grown up with them, I'd grown up around similar stories of like these kind of eight, these people with no morals who do these kind of yeah. awful things to other people and there's no consequence. Yeah. And they're done in the name of recreation. And um, and then somehow we started writing it. We did have a script for Dead Man's and I'd go to Shane's, he'd come to mine and we'd write it and we'd enact scenes. Mm. You know, I'd go outside and knock on the door and he'd come and answer it and all climb up. You know, and the neighbours, yeah. if they saw anything, must have thought, what are that <laughs> pair up to? But it worked. It became the, the story, you know, that that idea of the, the kind of vigilante became very um, apparent that that was going to be the thread through the, through the film. Yeah. Um, and so it was one of those projects that we got the money. Where I, I can't remember what the budget was, but it was it wasn't a lot. And we just went off and made it with the very bare basics. And we were still worrying. Well, I was worrying more than Shane about the idea of the brother yeah. and thinking, you know, should he be in it? I don't want to ruin the film for anyone who hasn't seen yeah, it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going, should he be present with me in these scenes or not? And I was the one going, I don't, it might be a bit kind of naff. I don't it might be rubbish, and of course, if it wasn't there with me, there wouldn't have been a film. Yeah, there wouldn't have been a twist in the and again, story. Again, I can understand how they, there would have been that doubt and fear on paper, yeah. but in in what you, you guys actually made and came up with, it's yeah essential, and it's yeah, it works so well, and it works as well because by the time we got to make it, I mean, I stayed away from all that. I had nothing to do with casting of that film. I think yeah. very early on, Shane asked me a casting something uh, casting somebody and I was like a bit negative about it. I was like oh I'm not sure about him you know and and then I just kind of realised and I called him back I, I was like listen man you cast who you want this you isn't so? our yeah. conversation yeah. and I realised then I was like this this isn't where I want to be yeah. we've, we've written this thing together but the thing that works about us is when we go on set you're director I'm actor yeah. and, and anything that kind of gets in the way of that dynamic is just noise. That's great. That's that's great to realise that yeah. and, and be able to 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 let go of the reins in in that that way and know that yeah yeah work to both of your your strengths essentially and go here's here's how it is yeah this is how it works. I've always been like that with directors. I've always and and sometimes to my detriment, you know. Yeah. But like I've I've always been. You're the you're the boss. This is your 
craft. You know, yeah. you tell me, or we, I'll present something and we can turn it, we can change it. But I'm not going to, I don't want to come and impose my will on this thing, you know, yeah. um, on this project. And I find that's all, that's, that works when you're with it, but it depends on the director. If you're with a good director, it, it does work. If I look down my CV and I go, good film, good film, good, good, yeah, yeah, and I go across and there's always a good director at the other end yeah, of the yeah, sure. line, I'm going, yeah, because it had a good director. So did you, do you feel you t- t- took a lot from all the people you worked with when you were then directing on, on Tyrannosaur? Yeah. Um, Obviously, that was a, a difference to go from writing. I'm not sure if you wrote it completely on your own, or was there a, Tyrannosaur? A, yeah, yeah, I wrote it on my own. Yeah, see, so, yeah, how was that? As a di- obviously, we're jumping over a, a lot of stuff, which we might rewind <laughs> back to at some point. But how was that to go from that experience of writing a, a with Shane and then being able to go right? It's over to you now. I'm now the actor to to writing on your own and then not being the actor. Or was it tempting at all to, to put yourself in? No, in the film? It, it was it was easy with with uh, with Shane because I understood our dynamic and and it's all yeah. about dynamics. Yeah. It's all it's about, you know. Um, and so I'm not. I'm, I, I had to respect that kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, but I'd written. I mean, the real catalyst. It, it's funny because I remember the press for Tyrannosaur coming out and people going, "Oh, and he's acknowledged his mentor Shane Meadows and." He's obviously learnt a lot from the master of Shane. And, and Shane was embarrassed by that. Right. Shane came round my house and went, why do they keep writing that kind of shit? Like, you're yeah. on... Uh, the truth is I never had any communication with Shane through the yeah. whole pro- year process of making Tyrannosaur. You see, you see, I remember when I saw it and a thing that struck me, it didn't even uh, cross my mind any sh- uh, sh- uh, Shane Meadows ang- angle, but I felt the thing that struck me and excited me was you seemed to get the perform the kind of performance that you put in in Dead Man's Shoes, you seem to yeah. get that out of Olivia and Peter and all these amazing and Eddie who were just all amazing in it, and it was like that's weird because it felt like a Paddy Considine film, but you weren't on screen. Do you yeah, know what I mean, it somehow you seem to get your your own acting style and yeah. intensity, I guess, at points through, but you know, obviously, other people doing it essentially. Yeah. I suppose what I'd done is, because um, in the past I'd, I'd, um, I'd, you know, improvise like you know, Romeo Brass was improvised. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we wrote a script for Dead Man's Shoes, but it was kind of improvised. It's probably yeah. I can pick about three or four lines out of that thing where I go, "Oh, I wrote that." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's it, and I remember them being in there. It's but crazy, that's it. Isn't it. But that's how shame works. Yeah. It's not how I work right. as a writer and director. I didn't write Tyrannosaur and, and go right now. I want everybody, you know, to improvise. That's not how I work. Yeah. I wrote a script, and the fact that people were like asking me at Q and A's, but you know, how much was improvised? It's like none of it was improvised. Yeah, wow. Of course, we navigate. You know, scenes. Of course, Peter can drop a word and put it. You know, it doesn't matter. But the film is not improvised. Yeah, it's not me going. Here's a scenario. Off, off you go. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've got a vague idea, but let's bash it out and see if you could. Never. Those yeah. words were written on that page, and um, I wrote them for those actors. Yeah, that's amazing. I met. It's, it's fascinating to have that discipline when you've worked previously in scenarios where so much is improvised i'd imagine because again it's it's it is discipline i think on 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 writing in that manner and not to say that in any way that 
Shane is lazy, but I'd imagine it's an easier approach at points to go, right, let's just let's just get on with it and see rather than sit on your own in a room and get from beginning to end, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I kind of... Tyrannosaur was written very quickly too. Yeah. And it was one of those real bursts of energy that just came out. And that thing was in my head marinating for for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but, but you, you know, it, Shane works very differently to me. Um, and and his his technique is, is totally different. But it, Shane will create a big world... And then he'll carve it down. Yeah, yeah, to, sure. And, and so it becomes very concentrated, and then the the, the the threads of the plot come through. Yeah. And and it and it gets it's like a sculptor, you know. He yeah. just it, we just do it differently. Yeah, yeah, um, no, that's great. Though. And and so Shane will let it run and build this big thing, and then he'll just bring it right down, um, and that's how he creates his drama. Yeah. Um, but I I didn't do that. I I can't think like that. It's too. There's too. If I had too much, it would drive me mad. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> the, the the fact that you know the script of Tyrannosaur was 81 pages, and and I, when I went into meetings with people and they were like, oh, the average script is 100 pages or 120, and I said, this is a movie. I know it because I've walked it. Yeah. I've seen it already. Yeah. And and that's a hard one for people to get their heads around because that that suggests that you're kind of very stuck in how you're making your film. Yeah. It's not true, but I knew how it was gonna. I, I knew it. I knew the way I wanted to shoot it. I knew how the camera was gonna move. Yeah. Um, and so did Eric Wilson, who's the unsung absolute hero of Tyrannosaurus, the yeah. DOP Eric Wilson. Yeah. Um, as talk about telepathy between actors. I mean, that guy was on it. Yeah, he, he was all over that film. I mean, he'd show me an opening frame. There was probably a two or three times during the whole shoot where I went, maybe we just move it round here a bit. It's a bit flat on. Should That's we start it there? You to know, have that connection and have that yeah that shorthand. So it's not it, in a way it doesn't have to all be. I don't know. Uh, spoon fed in such a manner if you've got someone that's just like you're on the same way you've yeah. both got the same vision yeah. literally the same vision with the film then yeah that's an amazing find surely lucky. in such a project very lucky and that's the guy that shot Submarine you know I saw him yeah. on Submarine and was like what's this guy doing you know he's pulling a, a lamp desk lamp over to light something while he's holding the camera and I'm going yeah. oh he's my dude he was like Richard Lenchevsky who, who did Last Resort and Summer Love and Ida, yeah, you know, yeah. he's like that. That was that guy. Yeah, and, like, and Submarine was another one that just it looked beautiful. Yeah. I mean, your your look was wonderful in oh, that. Oh, my look was, was, was amazing. Was <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's great to to find someone in that kind of scenario. Then I guess and just go. Yeah, he just make note of that. He knew. I, that I think guy. Eric. I don't know. Well, Eric could, has worked with Richard Iwadi a couple of times, and I don't know. I I, I imagine Richard. I don't. I imagine. Because I haven't had the conversation, but that he he's pretty extensive about his stuff. He knows his film onions. Yeah, yeah. You know, he knows his he knows his stuff. Whereas I'm not like that. I don't I, I yeah. don't really know. I just know what I feel. Yeah. And I know him. I know what I want. Um, um, and that's just how I work. But but the idea of the script and all that stuff, me being, I wasn't dogged about my script, but I was definitely if I've written a scene. That's, that works perfectly well, then there's nothing to figure out. Yeah. It doesn't make me a genius. I, I There's a story about Tyrannosaur that's, that's I've always tell it to people, and I tell it because it's a massive credit to Olivia Coleman. 
and also it's it's it says a lot about the nature of creativity and uh, and about how things aren't set in concrete and about how you're not always right and you've got to be aware enough to know that you know that sometimes what you've got isn't working yeah um and I'd written this scene and we shot it in the first week and Peter Mullen had gone round to to see her in the shop again and the whole scene was about him you know, I want to kill somebody. And she goes, like, who? It's not me. And he goes, no, not you. There's a bloke. All oh, right. Uh, you know, and he's basically the, the Paul Popperwell's character. Right. And he goes into one about love and life and all this shit, you know. And on page, I thought it was amazing. I thought I'd written a great scene. Yeah. Olivia, I shoot Olivia on it. She is not there. This is in the first week. She's yeah. not there. Yeah. And I'm, like, going... And in the first week, we'd shot most of the stuff that we did in the short film, Dog All Together. We kind of reshot it. Right, yeah. And I'm going, she's not there, man. I'm, there's something, I'm not buying this. Mm. And I spoke to her and I said, look, this isn't you. These aren't your words, they're, they're hers. You know, you've got to own this character. Yeah, we yeah, spoke yeah. a lot about owning her. And on the first day, Olivia, Olivia had gone to the door to turn a door sign and looked at me during the take as if she goes, is this okay? And I'm like, do, do what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. You want to put the closed sign on the door while you pray for this guy? Do it. This yeah. is your space. Yeah. You know, and, and establishing that kind of playground where you can do that. Um and this scene was abysmal. She well well, she wasn't getting it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if I've made a massive mistake casting her. Yeah. Seriously, I'm like wow. I don't know if I I don't know. If, we had some places to go after that. Yeah. And I was like and shit, I, I, I don't know if I've done the right thing here. And by the end of the week, I reshot her close-up. I said, I'm doing that scene again. I'm going to shoot your close-up because I didn't believe you. You weren't there. And she shot it, we shot it again, and she was better. She was definitely better, Yeah. but there was something not there. I didn't know this until a couple of years ago, but she went home that weekend and, and cried. And said to her husband, "I'm, I'm just not doing it for Paddy. I can't, oh, no. I can't do it." Um, whatever conversation they had, and what doubts I had over the weekend of like, have I done the right thing here? She's never proved herself. You know, she hasn't done this kind of thing. Whatever conversation her and her and Ed had, her husband, she came back on the Monday like a kind of, she was like possessed or something. She just came back. Like it was, it was quite breathtaking. And you know, when people talk, Olivia's great and everything. Olivia's a great. Listen, man, listen. It she's in Tyrannosaur. She is, she transcends yeah. in Tyrannosaur. Yeah, completely. this isn't just turning up and turning on the fucking tears and all the rest of it. She transcended in that film, and I saw it. I witnessed it, and it was powerful. Yeah, powerful. Completely, because I, I mean, as as much of a fan of her work as I have always been, as soon as you were saying there that you had uncertainty, I completely understood that. Because yeah. until Tyrannosaur, I hadn't seen that from her. Obviously, it's no denying that she was great in a lot of things, but yeah. you hadn't seen that. So it's a, it's a jump and an assumption to go right. She's good in that kind of role. In that, she, she can therefore yeah s- switch it it to this, which obviously you could you, you got in the end, and she. And she v- yeah. Very much delivered in the end. And we worked on it because we became all the actors, all of us became it became almost like telepathy. Yeah. It it 
it's so hard to explain. And my my biggest fear is that I'll never experience that ever again. Yeah, I'll never experience that level of kind of creation, really. Yeah, of 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 kind of love. If I'm honest, it was just powerful, and I to kind of get to the end of the story. You know, Olivia comes and she's smashing it, and we're like trainer and fighter. You know, I always use those analogies because it's where I'm comfortable. Yeah, I'll be Freddie yeah, Roach. I'll yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll train you. I'll be in the corner. You come back to me at the end of the round while well, whisper in your ear and let's go out for one more round. And, and I love all that. And yeah. she was... she. I felt like if I'd have said bite, she'd have bitten, you know. It was it was powerful. Yeah. Um. She was just in some creative place. Peter was too. Peter was... They were all just amazing. Yeah. But it was a transformation for Olivia. Yeah. Um, and to cut it short, this uh, this very long story, <laughs> she, um, I looked back at the scene in the edit and I'm watching the scene and this is the scene that I'd reshot on her. Yeah. The best scene I'd ever written. And I looked at it and I looked at her and I went, yeah, she's not quite there still, is she? She's not, but, you know, we can... I can use take three because I think that was... Our, and then I look at Peter in it and I go, Peter's not that good in it either. <laughs> and I watch this thing and I go, if Peter isn't feeling it, there's something wrong. Yeah. And then I realised, I went, the scene's shit. Wow. It, it's just shit, you know, it's not, the film didn't need it. Yeah. It's not a great scene. He's uncomfortable in it and he hasn't been uncomfortable in the whole thing. Yeah. She's dying in it. And yeah. she's, you know, so what's the problem? And I went, the scene's crap. Wow. But the fact that I shot it and that process and that emphasis on Olivia, that became the catalyst for everything. For yeah. everything. And it's I, amazing. And, I, and I, that to me is creativity. That's yeah. just brilliant. The fact that possibly the most important scene never made it into the film. Yeah. Because it was, it's literally, it, it, it ignited everything. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And it was just a, it was just weekly written, yeah. <laughs> but, and they were feeling it. Yeah, and it's a weird thing filmmaking, Pip, because you have some things that are two lines and they're amazing, and then you have other things where you go, and this is a bit, this isn't very good, and then you give it to actors and they make it into gold. Yeah, and then vice versa. You know, it's just a, it's a give and take process all the way through. Yeah. It's amazing. So, so to to go on a completely different. Um, f- feel and, and type of film how was it working on um, on Hot Fuzz and The World's End with, with Simon <laughs> I've had Simon and Nick on here separately have you now? over the month so uh, how was that experience and, and how was it to get your I don't know obviously there was some comedy in The Room for Romeo Brass yeah. um, vibe but it was very much that was drained out of it as soon as the film went on if you know what I mean, yeah, you, you yeah. felt bad for finding it amusing because you saw how dark a character it was. How was that to get to it? Still, my favourite line in Hot Fuzz when you've got a moustache and it's just, I know, when oh, it's yeah. with a bit, just, just, just <laughs> golden, golden. But how was that to, to work with those Pip, guys? You know, people watch Romeo Brass or Dead Man Shoes in particular and they think I'm a really angry, you know, <laughs> aggressive yeah, guy. Yeah. And it's like, I'm an absolute tool. <laughs> you know, I'm an. Uh, and. I don't know what, but they probably... Well, what happened was Sean had come out and Dead Man's Shoes was out, so we were doing the circuit together a bit, Yeah. you know, with, with Edgar and, and Nick and Simon. And so we got to know each other a little bit. 
and it was and it was brilliant. You know, I really really liked those guys. And then it came about. They sent me Sean. I can't remember which part it was now, but and I and I didn't do it obviously for whatever reason. But the world sent. Uh, sorry, Hot Fuzz came around. I'll tell you a story about Hot Fuzz, and <laughs> and it just became seemed very natural to do it. I mean, I really liked them. Yeah. Um, and I loved Shaun of the Dead. I yeah. actually loved that movie. Yeah. I didn't see it for a long time, um, yeah. and then I, and then I watched it, um, and I, I was just like, "This is an amazing film. This is what it's all about." Yeah, if completely. you're gonna if you're gonna do this kind of thing, then you do it like Edgar Wright does it. <laughs> it yeah, I thought 100%. it was original. I think it's my favourite zombie film. Yeah, there's too many zombie shit, too much dark zombie shit out there these days for yeah. me, Pip. But that it's was something now. else. Yeah, 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 I and I more. and I just. Um, I remember they approached me for Hot Fuzz and I was like, um, yeah, I'd love to work with you, you know. And I meet with Edgar and we do a bit of a workshop or whatever it is. And it goes, oh, I don't know how it's gone. I don't know if it's gone well or not, you know, yeah. but I go home and then I went out to to Los Angeles and it was the first trip out there to just go, you know, do the agent thing, you know, do the general meet stuff. Yeah. I went out there and I got offered about three jobs. yeah. Like that. And my agent was going, what are you doing when you go in the room? I said, I don't know. I'm just talking to him about that. Because you've been offered all these films. And I and out of them, the possibility came about that there was two of them that I could do. Yeah. And I looked at this thing in Hot Fuzz and I went, you know, we haven't done a contract or a deal. And I look and go, oh, it's only a little part. Anyone can do that. You know, like it's kind of a, not a cameo, but I'm going, nah, it's a... It's yeah. just a little part. So I kind of go, well, listen, I can do two films here. And, um, you know, instead of that one where I'm just in it every yeah, now and again, I've got yeah. two good films. So, you know, I'll, I'll do them. And the word got out, oh, Paddy's been offered these things and he's going to do them. And, you know, so he can't do Hot Fuzz now. Edgar Wright, who's the toughest son of a bitch you could ever meet, yeah. dug his feels and he was like, there's no way that he's not doing my film. Yeah. And <laughs> in the meantime, I mean, I don't mind talking about it. I think it's funny because yeah. I love him so much and they're my friends. But I was going to be sued by, you know, I had I had Simon ringing me up going, listen, what's happening? Because they're talking about suing you. Oh, wow. For walking off it. It's amazing we're still Damn, friends. Yeah. But it made me laugh. I, and what really? But I was, I was like going, sue me? What for? I said, it's just a fucking little part, mate. I said, you can get, Relax. of all the people they knew in comedies and, yeah, and things, sure. I said, you can get someone to play that fucker. You know, like, it's, it's not the main role, man. I haven't left you, like, hanging. No. Edgar's like, no. You you said you'd do it and you're doing it or we're going to sue you. Those wow. weren't his words, but that yeah, was what yeah, was coming yeah, was back coming to me from, was like. Yeah. And Simon was on the phone to me and I was like, look. And I got off the phone and I actually was smiling. I was like, wow, <laughs> this fucking guy really, like, Really wants me in his film. Yeah, he, he he and and I kind of admired him for it. Yes. So when we went into rehearsals, it was just never. It was never an issue. There was never that thing in the back of my mind. All oh, there's that. Oh, you were going to leave our film. And we were yeah. going to sue you. That's amazing. It was just to, like to all have been able to move on from that so seamlessly. Man, you know but I mean? it was funny, and yeah. I I love them. And and do you know what? I walk into the first rehearsal of Hot Fuzz, and who's the first person I meet? I go to walk through the door. She goes through, and I go after you, and she goes, "No, after you." 
and there's Olivia Coleman, and I look and I go, oh God, there's the, there's the girl from my, my film. Wow. And I ring my wife, I say, I've just found her. I found her, the girl, um, her name's Olivia Coleman. I've just this minute, she, she's the one. Amazing. That was it. So amazing how it guides you, isn't it, Pip? This yeah, old, yeah. this old, uh, really the force is. they call it. It really is. And it's amazing. But yeah, I, and then we did Hot Fuzz, and man, it was one of the best experience experiences ever. Yeah. Um, and me and I met Rafe Spald. Yeah. We met at Bristol, I think, train station or whatever, a little little hotel opposite. Yeah. And the first time I met Rafe, and we went to meet some police. Uh, some detectives, West Country detectives, you know, a bit of research and all that. Yeah. And these guys had us in their offices telling us all their horror stories. And they were just like the Andes. They were offering us cake. Really? And, <laughs> Would you like a bit of flapjack? You know, and, get, and we're looking at each other going, Jesus Christ, these are... I'm, I'm thinking is Edgar tipped them off or something to yeah. like... Because that's the joke in the, the film. Role. They're always eating yeah, cake yeah, exactly. and ice cream. I'm going up the, I'm going up the shop, mate. You want a flapjack? Do you? And, Amazing. So that, and then they were kind of <laughs> showing us all these grotesque pictures of death. Yeah. They couldn't wait to get them out at the end. They're going, oh, sh- do you want to see some photographs now? You know, and I was like, I'm, I'm kind of all right, you know. But... <laughs> kind of good, I can imagine. And they were, they were these photographs were, were kind of horrific. But I just said to them, listen, man, no kids. Yeah. And shit like that. I don't want to see, you know. And, yeah. But they were kind of gruesome. But they loved showing us these gruesome photographs. They thought yeah. it was a lot of fun. But me and Rafe became quite inseparable on it. You know, we yeah. became the Andes. Brilliant. There wasn't no method acting. We were just enjoyed. We, we luckily we met and we became mates. Yeah. And we were like the the kind of school not bullies, but we were the annoying, you know, schoolboys. Yeah. Um, and it worked <laughs> out fantastic. What a cast and. Uh, and then, then the experience came around again. You know, I got a call from Edgar and do you want to do The World's End? And it was like a no-brainer to me. I actually did look at the character in, in that and go, oh, man, you know, these guys get to do all the good shit. And yeah. There was a bit of that ego play, but, but you know, I, I love them so much. And I'm like, if I can be around them and spend time with them, I always know that it's going to be... Yeah. We're going to have fun. It's got to be an enjoyable way to work. If you have one like that, or as you said, you were just getting on you just became mates and it's just kind of it feels like that's just the ultimate yeah you know way to work in 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 that type of film in that type of area it's like that's yeah and and the world's end was a tough film to make yeah very tough it was hard we it, it, it really was um simon worked his ass off i think he was in every day but yeah. it was it was tough but um and edgar's a Edgar's, I have so much admiration for him as a filmmaker. He just, yeah. he doesn't let anything slide. He, he, whatever, what he wants to do, he achieves it. Yeah. And, and I've got, you know, you meet Edgar and you could mistake him for being a bit of a pushover or something like yeah. that, but he's not. not at he's, all. he's ragged and he's passionate about cinema. Yeah. And he's one of those guys, I always love being around him. Well, all of them are like it, really. They're so passionate about films. I never hear them say anything negative about other people's movies. That's I can be with Edgar and something can come up. And even if he didn't feel the overall film work, there's always something he'll pull out of a film to say, well, that was great. Yeah. I really, and I'm yeah. like, I like that. I love yeah. that about him. Finding the good in, in, yeah. in everything. And, and yeah, and realizing that there's something to learn from all. Yeah. 
And he's a man of integrity. There's a lot of filmmakers, they're walking into these big pictures, they're doing these superhero things, and they're kind of being pussy-whipped, if you want to call it that, by studios. Um, They're being taken and... and, Because they can be manipulated, and, and Edgar's a strong dude, and... You know, when he kind of walked off his production, um, there was, you know, I, I thought it was a, a really strong stance by yeah. him because he's a, Edgar's an auteur. There's such thing as an Edgar Wright film. You know what you're watching. You can yeah. put ten minutes of one on and go, "This is Edgar Wright." Yeah, 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 yeah. That's and, true. That's and true. if you don't want that, don't don't hire him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. Compl- you let completely. that man do his thing. He's an artist. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, and we're nicely over the hour mark. But, but that's not important. There's, <laughs> there's loads more I want to talk to you about. Um, I, I want to g- get on to Pride. Because yeah. Pride was um, c- kind of an odd one f- for me because I, I heard about it. And for some reason, the posters and advertising, I think, I didn't feel like it was a film for me. It didn't, I, was, I was like, I'll watch it at some point. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't feel like I rushed out. And my, my, my g- girlfriend went to see it. In fact, before... You and I did the Gittins. Oh, um, yeah, show. yeah. So in that day, she'd gone to see it and she was like, it was fucking amazing. It was just, and I was like, it's interesting because I thought, again, I thought, I'm sure it'll be good, but I wasn't, you know, rushing into the cinema. And then I ended up going to see it at the cinema and was just blown away. I just thought, just everything about it was just so, it, for some reason, the posters and marketing, it, it struck, it felt like it would be kind of a bit of a full Monty type feel and things yeah, like that which yeah. it really isn't It's it, I just thought the whole the story told that again the performances from everyone ac- across the board and particularly a, 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 when your character first comes out and gives his speech yeah. um, in the gay club was just you know heart in 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 in, in my mouth kind of moment so, so so how was that and and how's how's the reception been because obviously that one is one where you were telling a hugely important story as well from, yeah. from history, a true story from history that was, again, I didn't particularly know that much about. I didn't. Hugely important and amazing. So, yeah, how was that? It was amazing. I mean, I mean, thank God for the sort of, you know, I'm not a genius, I'm, and thank God that, that there's people out there like, you know, Stephen Beresford and Matthew Warchus and somewhere in their brains went... Oh, we need someone to play a kind of socialist, you know, striking miner. Yeah. Um, just an everyday kind of guy. Let's get the guy from Dead Man's Shoes to do that. You know. Yeah. It took amazing. I, I think things like that take amazing. Le- they're amazing leaps of faith. You know. Yeah. Um, I first got it, and I and I was like, my first reaction to the script was, "Why have I never heard about this story? I've never heard about it." My yeah. father-in-law was a miner. He's never heard of it. Yeah. How how was it become so buried? Um, thematically, I knew what the film wanted to be, and and I think when I was filming Pride, it was beautiful to be in in a situation where you were making the film that you thought you were making. That might wow. sound weird, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you like yeah. This this film knows what it wants to be. It's not making any apologies. It, it um, yeah and. I can remember Matthew Watch is a pretty quiet guy. First kind of week in rehearsal, I'm a bit like, this guy doesn't hardly speak, you know. He hasn't... What's his story, you know? Yeah. And he came up to me on set in the first couple of days and gave me a note. I don't know if it was... I don't think it was around the pub scene, but he gave me a note, and the first note he gave me just took me sideways, and I went, this guy is just a, a 
director. You know, I hadn't worked with him before. I, yeah. you know, I know he'd done Matilda and things with massive yeah. success. I'm like, this guy knows what he's doing. You know, he's he's not one of those guys that talks a load of shit. Yeah, he, he he's on it. He'll just come and give you a little whisper, and it's job done. Yeah, um, that's great. But, quietly observing, yeah. and then just speaking on it. when it's needed. Yeah, on it. And um, first, I was grateful for the gig. The story was amazing. Yeah, I couldn't believe that it actually happened. Um, and then the cast was something else, and and not just you know Bill and Melda, the people we were. It's a huge cast as well. Just so many because of how the story is so yes expansive. It's just yeah, so many cast, and I actually was looking at. Matthew, at one point, I think I told him afterwards, I was like, I don't know how you did that. If somebody had came to me with that script and gone, we want you to direct this, Paddy, I'd have gone, no, I'd have run nah. a mile. Yeah, yeah, I'm going, there's too many happen. people in it. Yeah. You know, my films don't have that many yeah, characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Even the one they've written to do next, okay, it's not that many characters in it, man. Yeah. Um, and it was another, like Hot Fuzz, it was the last, the last time I'd had a similar experience was Hot Fuzz, it was just a joy. Yeah. Everybody was there for the project, they were there for the story. Um, they were there to serve it. Yes. And it was... And a- that's what comes across, I think, is the dedication to getting that story across. Yeah. I, had, I had Billy Bragg on the podcast um, a few weeks back and was just saying that, that when when his song comes on at the end, and yeah, it was just all like... It's great. It was all just too much at point, but it was just, yeah, so overwhelmingly... yeah. As you said, I think that's exactly it. I think you've nailed it there, where it knew ex- ex- it knows exactly what it wants to be, and it's unapologetic about it. It's yeah. not trying to to pander in this direction or that direction. It's going here's here's the story that we need to tell. Yeah, you know, and and how we need to to tell it. And I don't know somehow that just just worked so perfectly, despite the the, the, the vastness of the cast and the characters and everything I, I, that's being told. I had a day on. I had a day on it. It was my last day on it, and um, it was all. The, it was when I first met the LGSM in the cafe, and um, these. I, I want to call them kids, but they're not. You know. Yeah. Um, I think who was there that day? Faye and George, Ben. I think was there. Um, Freddie. They were all. They pretty much all the LGSM were there, yeah. and I'm doing this scene, and it was. I, I just was not there. I just couldn't. Something was not happening on me. Right. And they shot my stuff first, and it, it just, I, I just felt terrible because there was obviously something that wasn't coming from me that I wasn't in it. I was distracted, and and they, I went over to to Matthew and I said, Matthew, do, do you mind? And this is a big setup, man. They've got to change light. And I said, Matthew, do, do you mind if I just do mine again? I said, yeah. I'm so sorry. I said, I just, I don't feel it. And he went, Yeah. We'll do it again. And I went to the cast. I think sometimes when you come in as an actor with more experience than them, yeah. sometimes I suppose you feel a bit of pressure to perform. I was putting pressure on myself to get it right or perform it right. Yeah. You know, you don't want to let yourself down in front of these yep. young actors, you know. Yeah, sure, of course. Um, but I did. I, I was tripping over it. It wasn't working out. And he just turned the camera around and we shot mine again. And they all sat there off camera and gave me everything. You know what Amazing, I mean? It yeah. was one of those shoots and, and I and I and I and I whatever I needed to clear, I cleared it. Yeah. 
And and Matthew was, uh, did you call that? That was a, that was a great one. You, I said, yeah, thank you, thank you, That's and great. thank you to you lot. They were just fantastic. Yeah. Um, just little things like that. That that. That's what that cast was like. That's what that experience was like. It was people just going out, um, going out to help each other, you know, and be yeah. there for each other. Yeah. They could see that I was dipping, and instead of going, oh, Paddy's fucking not what he's cracked up to be. Yeah. They all teamed on it, teamed together, and, and yeah, like, come on, yeah, you know, you can do this. Again, all coming together rather than it being who's trying to outshine who. Who's trying, yeah, like do any of that shit. It's like, right, no, we all, this is, and I guess that's something that, as you said, it was scary. It would have been scary to look at directing that with that many people in. Yeah. If that wasn't the attitude. The fact that that was the attitude is probably what made that manageable. The fact that everyone was trying to pull together and, r- yeah. rather than all of these egos or all of these overperformances to try and balance. Yeah. Everyone just going, right, now we need to. to that was to the tell spirit this. of the film. Yeah. And it, and it came through in us. It was it was wonderful. Yeah, amazing. Um, well, I was in the cinema a couple of days ago and I saw a trailer um, for a new film that you're in, A Child 44. I don't yeah. know much about it. I don't know how much you're in it, but I saw the cast of Tom Hardy, Gary Oldman, Charles Dance, Anumi Reppens, Vincent Cassell, and Jason Clark, who I'm a, a big big f- f- fan of from a few TV things he's done. Yeah. What is it? And, and you know, what's the deal with that? I only is met it, Jason the other week. I thought I think he's there's he was in a TV series a Chicago Cop thing which he was absolutely stole yeah. the show in and then he was in another film with Tom Hardy a little while back and yeah I just think he's got a great look a great style he's yeah really... he has he was in the Planet of the Apes wasn't he that's right yeah yeah that's right definitely yeah yeah I, I met him just the other week yeah he's a good he's a great guy yeah. Um, do you know what, Pip? Honestly, I don't know much about it. We shot it's it. Small, I was, was going to say, I looked yeah. at that cast list and thought there's so many people there because the trailer I saw, I think I l- literally only re- I recognised Tom in it. I, yeah. did, I didn't catch anyone else. And then it was only when I looked it up on IMDb, I was like, yeah, all these people this is good. It. But yeah, so I guess it's one of them where it's a smaller role that you kind of... Yeah, I only worked with Tom and Numi, really. Yeah. The rest of it was working with kids. Yeah. I don't know what I can reveal about the film. You know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it, and that's the precarious thing talking about a film that you haven't not seen, seen yet, yet because yeah. you're like, I don't even know what's in it, and it, I don't yeah. know what I shot, and I don't know what's made the what cut. It could yeah. be hardly anything of me left in it. <laughs> that's all good. Yeah, <laughs> it will just turn into a confusing IMDb list. Yeah, definitely. Was he? Was Was Paddy in that? I never got to. I never saw Gary on it. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I just saw Tom and Numi, yeah. as I remember. But no, I don't know an awful lot about it. I mean, it's weird when you make films, because then if a film does come out, it's like you're expected to go and talk about it. But with something like that, it, it was such a long time ago that I'm wow. I'm trying to think back to even what we did and or yeah. how we shot it or how we made it. Um, That's amazing. I remember seeing Olivia Coleman come in full circle here once on on one of the chat shows and they asked her about I'm sure it was about um uh Cuban Fury um next one and it was just it out of context it seemed rude when she was like I can't really remember Olivia I yeah 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 doesn't doesn't know yeah just had I no mean, idea she and did it, it like, to me like, well that's that's fine if it's you know you've done these things and again if you, yeah. if you're not um a, a huge 
character in it, then you're not going to be seeing edits as it goes along. Yeah, all do sorts you remember? Of other things. You're just going to have again. You've it's yeah. a day at the office in that. We respect. did this telly thing together, and it was like she went on on one of the shows, Graham Norton, and did the same thing. Yeah, and he was like, well, "Your character." She goes, "I don't know." She goes, "And what's it about?" I, I don't know. I can't remember. But, yeah, but she kind of does exactly get it. quite nervous around that stuff, yeah. Olivia, and she does. And, and I know what she means. Your head goes sometimes. Mm. You're like. Uh, I don't know, you know, you go on a slot on television and people say, oh, you didn't mention this, this and this. I'm like, do you know how quickly that yeah. five minutes is like 30 seconds? Yeah. Um, and you know there's a whole line of people who are, are waiting there to tell you, you forgot to mention this. Yeah. You, you know, it's like, all right, well. Well, in Olivia's by. defence, she she might forget shit like that, but she don't forget her lines. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> great. So, I mean, we should start to to wrap things up, but I want to talk about riding the low a little and about what's ahead. So, yeah, what's going on musically? I know you've been um, abroad working on on new material and recording. Yeah, I've um, we've got a second album coming out, and um, I just went to Portland to record the vocals on yeah. that, and working with um, a guy called Chris Lusarenko, who was in Guided by Voices. Oh and, wow. They've got this new band now called Eyelids with John Moen, Jonathan Drews, and it's it's a great band. And I, I, you know, I kind of wanted to when we went in studios here to try and record stuff. We ended up coming out sounding like Oasis and right. things. And I think that's because we're a guitar band. Yeah. And I always wanted to strive for something that was a little bit more kind of, I don't know, yeah, guided by voices in a yeah. way, or something yeah, yeah, a little yeah. a little kind of different that wasn't so sort of anchored in, in the music here. Yeah, but um, so I just started up this kind of collaboration with Chris. But yeah, I went over there and did the vocals, and it's being mixed and all that business, you know. And hopefully, we'll have it out before the end of the year. Um, but it's going really well with with riding the low. We we kind of we've been on the radio a little bit in the yeah. last couple of weeks, and we played with the Charlatans. And do you enjoy the 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 gigging and touring? I a love bit? it because it's such a difference from yeah. from the the or or, or the or the instant reaction of it. I'd imagine in 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 film and in TV and everything else, it's such a long. As you said there, I can't remember that film. I remember acting yeah. in it. I'm not sure what happened because it's such a long time until the payoff. Essentially, yeah. whereas at a show, it's there. It happens for good and for worse. Yeah. You know, if you're yeah. shit, it's there instantly. <laughs> if you're great, it's there instantly. You know. Yeah, and we've had them where it's been like, God, we started up one gig and literally. I mean, there was a couple of times it's happened, but. One gig in particular, we started, and I, I physically saw, well, I saw a load of guys at the back look at each other and go, "This is fucking shit." I could work out their mouth, wow. and, and loads of people just left. Damn. And that was the gig where I learned that the, you know, there must have been about twenty odd people down the front, yeah, and there was a bunch of people here. They knew all the words, yeah, and I just went, "Oh fuck, I'm playing for them." Yeah, yeah, you know, you, I learned that one real quick. I was like, "Don't," because before that had bummed me out. We played at some music festival near Brighton. And we were on the bill, and I got alive to what other acts were on the bill, and I was going, listen, man, we're not for your festival. Yeah. Trust me, you don't yeah. need... No, 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 I really want you to play, and I was talking to the promoter, and I was ready to pull us out, but he yeah. begged me to play. Literally, it was like, oh, please come, no, 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 it'll mean so much, and all the rest of it. So we go on to play after some belly dancers, and we literally <laughs> play the first song, and the fucking tent cleared. Yeah, like cleared people like got up out of protest off yeah. their picnic blankets with their I fucking yeah. hummus and pita breads, and I'm yeah. like going, I oh, don't blame them. You know they don't want this. We we we're not yeah. that band. We we we're a rock and roll band, and yeah. But it's fun looking back. But it's, it's going key. really I mean, well. That's, that's a key thing to learn, I think, is that 
at the end of the day, you've got to, you've got to put that performance in, particularly at things like festivals. I've done ones before where we've we've been aware that we're going out and the tent is empty, yeah. but we've got to pull people in and they could come in at any point. We can't kind of go half-hearted into it because if they peep, peep their head in, if there's no one there and they peep their head in and we're smashing the shit out of this gig to an empty yeah. tent, they'll probably come in. They'll probably come and have a look. And Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, it means the more I remember doing a gig, I can't remember if I've, I've told this on the podcast before, but we were in, we got booked to do a gig in a nightclub, which we had a lot of in our early days because there was an electronic element. They didn't realise it was... We're not just a DJ and MC. There's yeah. there's there's live elements to it. Um, and we did run. We were on at about one or two o'clock in this horrible nightclub that was all just drinks promotions and a karaoke room and all. It was horrible. <laughs> and we started, and there was six people there who were there for us and into us, yeah. and the rest were just drunk pricks, just kind of mouthing off and being Larry. But really early on, I suddenly went right. If I was one of them six people. I would have probably thrown in the towel about midnight. So yeah. before we'd even gone on, I probably would have gone, nah, fuck this I'm place, I ain't doing it. This. But that stuck around. So mm-hmm. that meant, that in my mind still stands out as one of, I personally feel my best performances I've yeah. given because of the, the guilt almost of them having to sit here through this horrible club night until 1, 2 a.m. Yeah. It's like, right, we've got to really give you something now. And, you know, it meant something. It, yeah. it, but it would have been easy to go... Let's just get through this and just churn out any old shit. So yeah. get through it and go home. Yeah, yeah. No, it's dis- no, it's disheartening. But when you when you turn it around, I mean that's a beauty of you know when you've actually turned one around and yeah. it's like whoa. Yeah. I mean we love doing that. That's that's the challenge, isn't it? Yeah. You go into a new place, but you know they don't know our music. More. It means all the more. It's easy to go to a crowd that are already yeah cheering your name, and that's not to hate on that at all. But yeah, it means all the more to get there when there is that tension and that yeah and and to go right i'm gonna make you like us yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's been fascinating really because like when when we but you know and i think there's still it some degree you know the people have come to shows and 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 the guys had admit it and it doesn't ultimately matter but they would come kind of to see the guy from dead man's shoes yeah yeah and then and you're gonna have that yeah that, that's kind of unavoidable that's, that's yeah you know and i just thought to myself i oh, look you know of course they're going to. But what started to happen was that people kept coming back. Yeah. And then they more people came back. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're not that interested in... They love the band and they love your music, but they want that photo taken with Chris and Dan and they want to go... Yeah. And I'm like, this is great, you know, because they're... This is meant to... Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're fans of the band. They're yeah. not just yeah. there to see... You yeah. know the guy from Dead Man's Shoes anymore. Yeah, that's wicked. Um, but but because of that, I suppose the only one of the downsides was that a lot of our earlier gigs that they'd, they'd be filmed and stuff on phones, and they would kind of make it onto YouTube, and that they sounded like shit. It's filmed on a phone. You it's, know, it's, it's going to sound like shit. It's kind of it's tough, isn't it? And you would go like. Please don't oh, share Oh, please. That. <laughs> we actually got to one guy and said, please, could you take them down? And, you know, if ever we needed them to put together something, you know, we'd we'd call on your yeah. footage and said, but people are getting the wrong idea. Because, yeah. And we were kind of, we were, we were like anything, like I said earlier, we were we were kind of inventing ourselves. We it's were, we were doing our learning, apprenticeship. Yeah. And, 
I remember there was some, I think it was The Quietest did this thing about actors in bands, and it was me and Reese fans, and they were kind of ripped him and ripped me and were like, called the band pub rock and all the rest of it. And it was like, yeah, well, yeah we played pubs, you know, we wanted to learn our craft. And then the video that they had was from our second ever gig, yeah. you know, and it was like, this it's is ridiculous. This is bullshit, you know, this yeah. is. Um, that was from years ago. We don't yeah. even play like that anymore. Yeah. So thank God for people like Tim Burgess who were kind of, yeah, come and play festival number six and come and support the charlatans. Yeah. And, and we were ready. Yeah, that's amazing. We were ready. We'd done our, we, 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 you know, we'd done our years and we're still learning. And that's the great thing. Every so many months, you'll kind of go up another level and, yeah, you know, things will kick it's putting in more. In the hours. It's putting in the, in the hours again, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's all all getting there, so I mean we'll I wrap things up now. Just quickly, what's what's ahead? What's your main focus going forward? Well, I've written a screenplay called The Journeyman. Right. And it's about a it's about a boxer. Yeah, and it's a beautiful kind of story. Um, and he he's basically in a, in a in a title fight, like an area title fight, and he, he gets injured. He gets a brain injury. Yeah, and so it's about kind of his life coming to terms with being in a in a new body waking up and almost Amazing. being like in a different yeah. shell and it's a beautiful story and it's been in my mind for for some years now and um and so that looks like the next thing that, that I'll direct a great it's it's fascinating the kind of the world of boxing in that way that you can be you know the heavyweight champ and the most famous person in the world. You can be Mike Tyson, you can be Ali, but there's obviously a lot of different divisions and different championships. You can be champ and walk down the street and, and no one knows your name or be champ and not be earning a great pay packet yeah, and, yeah. you know, be one of the best in the world. You know, it's so hard to decide the best in the world because of all the belts now, but yeah. you're definitely in there, in the mix as one of the best in the world. And you could be, be st- st- still working in a factory or, still, you know, yeah, doing... Yeah. doing the, doing whatever is needed to to pay the bills so yeah, yeah that's a, that sounds like a fascinating and again the same with a lot of people talk about in football and numerous in most sports that if if you're in anything that's based largely on physicality yeah you know when that, if that rug's pulled from under you where do you what go? do you do where do you go what can you you know how do you adjust to, to life in in the real world yeah that sounds great yeah well, hopefully, well, it's looking like we'll be making it later this year, so uh, amazing. I'll be in, in production with that. So that's the main sort of focus, really. Excellent. Well, we'll keep an eye out for, for all of that. I think I've taken up enough of your time now. So hey, No worries, Pip. Thank it's you very great. much for coming on and chatting. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 29 with Mr. Paddy Considine. How lovely is that dude? Um, you, you may have noticed me, me nerding out and geeking out slightly there about how much I wanted to talk to him about and pick his brains about and inquire. Um, 
we could have again it's another one we could have done two podcasts i think but um that's that for now um thank you very much for, for listening you can find me at scrubius pipio really appreciate it if you subscribe because that really helps i've mentioned this quite often it's it's a way that you can help support the podcast and not spend a penny basically if you subscribe and hopefully set it to automatic download then it just really it sets us up nicely so that each time a podcast goes up we get a lot of downloads at once that climbs us up in the charts and increases our exposure but another thing you can do is just tell people about it um we get i get a lot of tweets from people who say i wasn't previously into podcasts or i don't normally listen to podcasts and they seem to be into this one so if you could spread the word that's amazing imagine if you know it I'm mean, saying that you probably go. I'm not going to bother. It doesn't make a difference. But imagine if each of you got one extra person um, to, uh, to listen. That's quite obvious and simple. But that that doubles our listenership in a week. If you all get a one extra person listening, um, if you get two or three, crazy. So yeah. Anyway, try doing that. It'd be nice if you support in that manner. We will be back next week. It's one a week now. It's not two a week. It's not March anymore. But thank you very much for supporting and listening. See you next week.